Welcome back to another episode of The Authors Unite Show. Here's your host, Tyler Wagner. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Authors Unite Show. Today, I have Amanda K. Stein with us. She is an author, poet, copywriter, and editor. She also runs Manic Muse, a YouTube channel focusing on mental health, pop culture, and creativity. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Grateful to have you here. So um, first question, uh, so author, poet, copywriter, and editor, so all, all writing activities. Um, what were you doing before before that, and when did you like discover that you enjoyed to enjoyed writing? I'm assuming you enjoy it. I definitely enjoyed it. It's my biggest passion. And funnily enough, I've kind of been toying around and writing since I was a little kid. Honestly, it started when I was about two and three years old, and I would watch things like My Little Pony, and then apparently afterwards, I would gather all my action figures from it and recreate it the way I thought the story should go which normally involved a murder and a revenge quest on most of the other ponies. So <laughs> it's a uh, storytelling has been something I've always done since I was little. And I kind of went back and forth with that. I tried all kinds of writing. I would do screenwriting and poetry and all these things just on my own. And then uh, when I was about like 18, 19, I started just working. I worked in theater for a while. Actually, I was a stage manager and a professional improv comic, and I focus on things like that. And I did a lot of customer service and retail work on the side, and then that got super draining. <laughs> and I was doing that while I was trying to work on my creative writing. And that was not a great day job for me while I was doing creative writing because it was really, I feel like anyone who's worked retail knows how completely draining it is. Mm. And I would just be beat by the end of the day. I would have to work like three and four jobs at a time to try to make ends meet, and it was really stressful. So eventually I started researching copywriting and editing and doing things like that as a way to write still for a day job. And that's been fantastic because I found that I do love doing that as well. And then it kind of gets me in that writing mindset all day long. So it's really easy to approach my individual creative writing as a job too. Got it. Okay. And then what are you doing? Like, as far as, um, like when you're not writing, are you doing things? Uh, and I mean this like health wise, like morning routine, like what, what helps you get into that creative flow to, to be able to write? One of the biggest things that gets me able to write is making sure I'm continually consuming art in some way. I tend to really, it almost feels to me like creating and writing almost feels like a conversation with other artists very often. Like if I read a great novel or a poem or hear a wonderful song, a lot of the times I'll like, I'll just get like buzzy and excited and it'll make me start thinking, oh, this is a new way to tell something or this is a new way to use language or this is a new way to use imagery. And that usually is what motivates me to then go and create. Like it kind of gets my brain working in that pattern already. So I'm basically all the time just like reading and watching new movies and watching new shows and listening to podcasts and like anything I can to be consuming different arts and media. And then I find that that kind of like fills me up and gives me ideas and kind of keeps me motivated to create myself. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Art. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Like for me, what it is, is being able to like work out in the morning. Like if I don't work out in the morning, my whole day is just shot. <laughs> um, 
but when I get a good cardio in, like, and I get that sweat going, like for some reason, I, everything just flows into place um, and becomes, I don't know, a lot, a lot easier to actually just do. So um, yeah, it's funny. It's not quite as active working out as that, but something else that works for me for that is baking. I love baking uh-huh. because it's just like, it still feels creative, but it's also really methodical and you get your hands going and honestly the amount of baking I tend to do at once I tend to get kind of physical with it so it almost feels like a mild workout so I understand that <laughs> yeah I think I, I my mom is a is a cook and I've seen her I think it's called chicken Marcella I've oh, seen yeah. you have to like beat the shit out of that chicken <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying like you really do and like that's a workout right no sometimes like if you're kneading bread or something it's like okay I need to go lie down or oh, yeah. I've done I've made the mistake of trying to like hand whipped cream and things like that. And it's like, I'm going to have completely bulked arms and like a writer's body in all other ways. <laughs> yeah, no, without, it's, it's true. It, it definitely is. And I've also heard, I think Tim Ferriss, he even in his book, like the four hour chef, like cooking is very like meditative. Like, it really is. Yeah. It's okay. such a kind of calming thing. And it also feels a little practical, which I think is helpful, especially like when basically everything I do is writing and kind of, in my head so it's really nice to then kind of do something meditative and calming but that also has like a physical finish you know it's like oh i've actually made a thing that i can eat or feed someone else it's a little nice to kind of get back in the real world sometimes because like i find myself sometimes just getting kind of disconnected i'm like what day of the week is it what time is it i don't know (laughs) you know no no of course it's um and and yeah it brings you back to like uh, uh the foundation right because there's so many things like technology like it, it's almost like our true nature you know it's like cooking like i for me like i order all the time like postmates like all that mm-hmm. and actually just cook it's like oh yeah like this is a real thing like the food i'm eating like there's work behind it like it's not just um i don't know order all the time <laughs> so, I don't know. It brings me back to like square one um, yeah, it's a little primal, honestly. I really love to work over a fire for that, that reason. <laughs> yeah, I was looking for that word, primal. I don't know why I was escaping. <laughs> uh, We're probably just getting hungry now. We can't think of words anymore. <laughs> seriously, I am a little hungry. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm probably going to have to go bake after we do this. So, <laughs> um, so uh, I'm curious to dive a little bit deeper into the poetry. So, cause I, I personally don't really have experience except I can remember a time, I think in middle school where honestly at that time it was forced on us to write a haiku or something. Yeah. And yeah. So I didn't enjoy it because, you know, I was in like seventh grade and I was forced to do it. So, you know, obviously it's not fun then, but. Yeah. Forcing uh, creativity rarely, rarely goes well. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> so, um, but what type of poetry are you writing and what is kind of the, the different mindset or like, how do you distinguish between that? And then, you know, maybe like, I would actually say, yeah, copywriting and poetry to me are potentially opposite. I don't know. Yeah. That's really interesting to me because I kind of assumed that going into copywriting before I had done it a whole lot myself because I'm like, poetry has always been the thing I've been drawn to since I was youngest. That's just the thing I love playing around with most. It's so free and you can kind of do whatever structure you want. You can really kind of go with it. The thing that I found does relate between poetry and copywriting that I think, and hopefully something that makes my copywriting stand out, not trying to not be humble or something, but 
something I try to focus on is so much of poetry relies on using imagery and metaphor and rhythm and a way to kind of, especially the kind of poetry I write, I really like to write free verse, but I tend to like to use fairly simple language so that it's accessible to people. I'm very big on trying to make poetry something that almost anyone can consume. And that has really helped in copywriting because I am obviously trying to write and follow the structure and format of, you know, a press release or web land landing content, whatever it has to be. But I'm really paying close attention to rhythm and pacing and trying to find subtle imagery I can add to something. And I found that that tends to make the copy a lot more engaging, which is super important right now because honestly, people are massively oversaturated. Like they can't go 10 minutes without being hit with someone's copywriting. And it's really easy to have it all blur together. So I like to do something that doesn't feel clickbaity or super like keyword driven and just kind of catches your ear and makes you feel a little more interested and you don't even necessarily know why. So I try to use like some of the tools and techniques of poetry while writing copy. And not only that, I tend to find that writing copywriting is a little more fun then because of that, because I get to view it a little bit creatively too. Got it. That makes sense. Um, so tell us a little bit more about the Manic Muse. What's that all about? That is something I started almost as kind of a thank you because I do have um, several mental health issues. I have panic disorder and depression, no CD. And I've had that since I was young. And there, especially like several years ago, there wasn't a whole lot of community or help for that that would be easy to find. So I felt really isolated and really overwhelmed. And a lot of where I found help and inspiration was on YouTube, just watching YouTube videos of other people who had these issues, sharing tips. And very often they would end up being writers or artists or other kind of creative people because frankly, a lot of the times with these kind of mental health issues, it ends up being a disability to where it's difficult to work outside your home or on someone else's schedule and copywriting and editing and things like that really lead to a lifestyle that works for that. And so I was really getting inspired. And a lot of these YouTubers would help me kind of find techniques that made me function better. And eventually I wanted to give back. And like I said, I do a lot of performing and stuff too. And YouTube to me feels like such a great mix of performing and writing. So what I do is on that channel, I focus on trying to find like the mental health angle of pop culture and creativity and things like that like how to stay creative when you have mental health problems different books or albums or things like that and how they could be viewed from a lens of like mental health or self-care and then i just straight up share some mental health tips as well just to try to like give back a little bit and encourage other people to keep creating and expressing themselves while staying mentally healthy mm. I love that. So it's kind of like what helped you now you're trying to help others with. So I w let's dive deeper into that panic. Tell us a little bit more. What is like panic disorder? What does that really mean? Oh, it's so not fun. So it can vary person to person. Me personally, mine is partly chemically based and partly like just some different things I went through as a child. I kind of had a, a little bit of a tough time as a child and a few different things I've been through that kind of contributed to it. And panic disorder, what happens is basically, this is the way my first therapist described it. Like, 
it'll sometimes be a thing that triggers it, like a particular situation, like if I'm in somewhere really crowded or if I'm in a hospital or things like that. But sometimes it'll come out of nowhere. I'll be like chilling on the couch watching, you know, Princess Bride for the 50th time and it'll just hit out of nowhere. And my body will just suddenly think I'm like being attacked. Basically, it's like biologically, like what your body does, if you're getting chased by a lion or something. The way my first therapist described it is my body is physically reacting as if I'm driving a car and it stalls on a train track and I see a train coming and I go to open up the door and the door is locked. And what your body would do physically in that situation is what my body does just randomly, like without warning. Okay. I'll get, um, I'll hyperventilate or not be able to breathe. I can go into double vision. I'll sometimes lose the ability to walk. My heart rate will go crazy. My temperature can spike. It's basically just your body prepping to have to like fight off some threat. And it can be really crippling. These panic, like they're really intense panic attacks that can happen and they can happen uh, anytime. They've happened to me in my sleep before. I'll wake up in the middle of one and they're, they're pretty rough. <laughs> they're not very fun to go through. No. Yeah. So the reason I wanted to ask you about it is because I, I went through a period of about a year where I was having panic attacks, like probably like once every two weeks. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, it was crazy. And here, here's what's crazier is like, I, I don't know what the exact cause was, but I have a, a pretty good guess. Yeah. What for this full, full year, what would happen is anytime I would drink alcohol the night before the next day I'd wake up and I would like feel just like the beginnings of it mm. and it would get worse and worse. And then, you know, then it would be a full blown exactly as you said, like I would think I was having a heart attack. I went to the hospital like five or six. It was craziness. Oh, I'm so sorry. And, yeah, no, you know how bad it is. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. you know it. Like it's, I tell people it's like, I, I feel like I've died like 50 times and I'm back. <laughs> like, right? No, it does feel like it. it legitimately feels like you're dying. And I think that's like the hard thing to get through to people. Cause I have a lot of people be like, well, it's just in your head, you know, you're safe, just kind of brush it off. But I think what they don't understand is like, even though panic attacks are very, very rarely dangerous, all those physical things are actually happening to you. And so it feels like death. Like if your heart rate suddenly like, pushing 200 beats a minute and you can't breathe and you can't stand up and you're sweating and you can't see like that feels like dying you know yeah. no yeah i'm like okay because i agree like every time i went to the hospital too they'd be like it's just a panic attack and i'm like well feels pretty serious to me so right? um but so this is what it was so eventually what ended up happening is like i i noticed that i was also having these stomach pains I was like, okay, I find, you know, I finally just bit the bullet. I was like, it's in my mind, it's expensive. And, and I would think that your normal doctor would handle this, but they just don't. Yeah. So, um, either way, I ended up hiring down here, like one of the best doctors down here in Miami. And I did that like full blood test, like allergy, everything, you know, Yeah. And came back that I'm gluten intolerant. Oof. So what was happening, and I've been eating, you know, pizza, beer, you know, every, you know, every wine, everything. Yeah. And I've been eating gluten my whole life. And I just think when I was younger, it's not like serious, serious as in like, if I, obviously if I touch gluten, I'm going to die. But like over time, what was happening is it was hurting my stomach. Um, but, you know, day by day, you know, I'm 28. So I guess like 26 years worth of it, then, you know, it starts to hurt. And either way, once I removed it and then, you know, I was taking a probiotic to fix my stomach up and some other like blood tests related things that my doctor gave me to fix everything up, 
haven't had one. Haven't had That's one. Incredible. I'm so glad. Yeah. So, so all I'm saying, and, and I did, I haven't had alcohol in a few months and I, um, so I don't know, again, I think it had to do with the gluten and, you know, alcohol a lot of times has gluten in it, depending yeah. on what you're drinking. So sometimes uh, the whole point of me saying this is I don't know, it's uh, interesting to me how something stomach related could be directly correlated with anxiety in your heart. Right. And funny enough, I've heard that a lot. A lot of people saying that like the bacteria that live in your gut and things can really impact your mental health and your overall health. And I'm like, I find that so fascinating and it's such a relief and it actually helps people. Yep. Yeah. So anybody out there, if you're having these, um, cause they aren't, I, I honestly, it was getting to a point for me where I was just like, it was, it was seriously survival mode. Like I, it, I couldn't even think about like growth or anything like that. I was just like, I'm just trying to get through the day. Oh yeah. yeah. No, I went through like a six month period before I started therapy where I literally could not walk outside my house. If I did, I would just immediately fall down and break out into hives and not be able to breathe. And yeah. I was like, I guess this is the rest of my life. And at that point I was like 21 and I thought I was going to spend the rest of my life like locked up in my house. Like it's terrifying. It, it is. And it becomes a point and, and like, I'll be like, I wasn't like suicidal or anything like that, mm -hmm. but I, it does get to a point when, cause you know how serious they are. Like when it's happening that often, like the anticipation of it happening too gets you. And it is almost to a point of like, is this even worth it? Like, this is like so bad. No, absolutely. I've dealt with that. Unfortunately, a lot with like the combo of depression and anxiety. There's been many times where like, it's like this, this isn't worth it. Like I've, and I've had certain panic attacks be bad enough that just those attacks would cause me to be suicidal because it felt like the attack yeah. was never going to end any other way. And it's like, well, do I want to drag out this death or get it over with right away? And that's yeah. honestly how it felt sometimes. Yeah. It's It's so, I mean, how has it, it's gotten better, I'm assuming for you. So like how, what have you done to help yourself not have them as much? Like, or is it still as bad as it was? Well, right now they're still fairly bad, but I'm kind of in the middle of multiple treatment options. Um, one thing I did, I totally agree with you. I think especially if you start having these spontaneously out of nowhere, go to a doctor as well as a therapist and get checked out because they thought I had a thyroid issue at first, so it could be caused by something like that. Turned out I didn't, but it did turn out I was very low on vitamin D. And okay. taking vitamin D hasn't cured the panic or depression, but the way I've described it, especially with the depression, it kind of is the difference between a flu and a cold. So as yeah. opposed to like continually having the flu, I feel like I continually have a cold now with like burst of flu. And that's the way I describe like the levels of the depression. So that has helped. I try really hard to stick with that. Um, a lot of it has been, I'm like, I just sing the praises of therapy so much, uh, especially like uh, cognitive behavioral therapy has really worked very well for me and exposure therapy, which is terrifying and really tempting to try to do on your own, but it's best to do like with professional if you can. And mm -hmm. that's helped. The other thing that's helped is trying really hard to focus on self-care. Like I'm really big into meditating. I'm big into trying to focus on things that actually matter to me and that I care about because it's a lot easier to kind of keep fighting if you're doing things you're actually passionate about and love. Like yeah. when I was just working retail and working, you know, literally like 70 hours a week and had no time to myself, I'm like, this is definitely not worth it. And now it's a little better. The other thing that helps is really getting like we're working right now to get specifically diagnosed, my therapist and I, because we also think what may be going on is that I may be autistic. 
And that is something that tends to present very differently in women than men. And it's not super recognized in the US yet. It's more recognized in Europe. And it's super common with female writers because very often if you're a woman with autism, you have better communication skills than you know a neurotypical person. And super heightened empathy, super high interest in fantasy and things like that. And if you go too long, trying to downplay any of the autism symptoms, it can kind of wear out your mental health and make you much more prone to depression, anxiety, and OCD, and all of which I have. <laughs> so we're currently working on trying to get me officially diagnosed with that because there are disability options and things that open up. But my therapist and I have been basically treating me as if I have that right now. And that's also helped a lot because it turns out that a lot of the things that were happening to me that I thought were just panic attacks too, but that any of my coping skills wouldn't help the panic. It turns out they're actually sensory meltdowns from the autism. And so it's kind of learning the specifics of it. And that has helped a lot kind of being able to label things and know what they are and kind of know the different coping skills for each thing as it happens because previously like before i was going to therapy before i knew about any of this i kind of just thought i was completely messed up i'm like okay i either want to kill myself or i'm having a panic attack or i'm completely freaking out whenever lights get too bright and i don't know why and like i just assumed i had tons of things wrong with me i didn't know they could all be connected and that there were different ways to handle everything and that has really helped a lot. I would say at this point, I'm just much better managed. And part of it is being open about it because for like years, I would just try to hide everything. I tried to like, if I felt a panic attack coming on, I'd go lock myself in a bathroom and then just like tell everyone I had a stomach ache and try to hide it. And now I'm much more open about it. And that's helped. And working with a therapist to really figure out and nail down the specifics has helped so much. So I definitely recommend that because like, Honestly, it's just way too much to deal with on your own. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, that's so interesting. It's like, now tell me, because I, I, I don't, I haven't done the research, but in, in some ways, right, as you said, like, I think you said heightened empathy. Mm -hmm. Like, in some ways, it, it could autism almost be like a superpower. Or, it's, or It's kind of funny. I actually, uh, I know a lot of autistic people have joked about it that way especially because it is so looked down on by a lot of other people they're like no this is like a superpower because yeah part of what's different to me from what are likely the autism symptoms and then the mental health symptoms is like my anxiety and depression symptoms if i could just get rid of those right now no questions asked i would do that i would just chop off that part of my brain if i could mm -hmm. but the autism symptoms as frustrating as the sensory meltdowns are and as limiting as some things can be with it I would still keep because I honestly think it's why I write the way I do because hmm. I am hyper empathetic. I do have, and, and to the point that it could be a problem sometimes. Like when I was a kid, I used to cry putting a spoon in soup because I'm like, no, it's getting hurt. <laughs> you know, I would like, really? yeah, oh, I used to like cry. I'd watch my mom cooking and I'm like, stop putting the spoon in the pot. The water's too hot. And she's like, what is wrong with you? And I would just like cry over the spoon. But then it also like encouraged me to write because like I would feel bad for things in my life. I'd like over empathize my stuffed animals and things. So I'd start writing stories about them because I felt like they were all real things, you know, and that's probably what led me to start writing is I kind of felt just too much all the time. And so I started making stories and that was like an easier way to kind of channel that empathy and get it out instead of being completely consumed by it. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's so interesting because I keep – I'm trying to compare it to myself. Like I, I would say I have heightened empathy as well, but I, I, not, I cannot relate to the spoon thing. <laughs> uh, I'll say that. But I – the um, but with like any – any anytime I even see somebody, even if it's like say they have allergies and their eyes are like teary, yeah. my start to like swell up. And I, any movie too, like it'll be – like I have a brother, my dad, and my mom. We'll all be sitting there watching a movie. I will be bawling my eyes out, and none of them will have any reaction. <laughs> no, I feel you there. Sometimes I won't even like the movie, and I'll be like, "Why am I crying? I don't. I didn't think I cared about these people." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Like it randomly will just start to like happen. So again, I I don't know if that means I'm on the spectrum or not, but I I, I just I've noticed that. Um, and and here's the thing too that's interesting. Like you said, I'm just trying to connect the dots is I, I think compared to others, at least that I know, I'm very, very good at connecting with people. It's just natural to me. Yeah, um, yeah. But on the other side though, you put me in a room by myself and tell me to like focus and do, that is, that takes a lot of effort for me. Like that's pretty difficult. Um, but you know, I could have 20 of these conversations every day. And at the end of it, honestly, be like, that was the best day ever. Like, that was <laughs> no, no, I feel you. It's so Well, and that's honestly too, that's a common thing among people on the spectrum is hating small talk, but loving to dive deep with people immediately. Like you may, like, I get so stressed out, like having to just like talk yeah. about paper or plastic with like a cashier at a grocery store. But if I can start talking to a waitress about like her childhood or her marriage or her like spiritual beliefs, I can do that for hours. And like, so that's like where my head's always at. Like, like you're saying, like these kinds of talks, I could do this all day and just be ecstatic, you know? Interesting. Yeah. I, I might look into this. <laughs> um, it's honestly worth it because like, it's been so fascinating for me because basically a lot of things I thought were like, you know, quote unquote wrong with me. I'm kind of realizing, oh, that's not necessarily wrong. And I don't have to hide this anymore. And it also makes it easier because I can kind of just explain to people because before it'd be like, like I said, I assume it was a panic attack. Like for instance, um, flashing lights really hit me, like any kind of strobe lights. And yeah. I don't have seizures from them, but I get very sick and out of it. And then it ends up leading to a panic attack eventually. Mm -hmm. And I would try to force myself to push through it because I'm like, hey, it's a panic attack. Do your exposure techniques. Just get used to it. And it never, ever, ever worked. And then finally, when I was talking to my therapist about this, she's like, no, that is an autism thing. That's a sensory thing. You physically cannot handle that. Do not try to push through. And that has helped my mental health so much because instead of like, like I went to go see a play on Broadway a couple of years ago and it was primarily lit by strobe lights. And I beat myself up for weeks because I had to leave like a third of the way through it because I could not handle it. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? You know how to handle panic attacks by now. They shouldn't be limiting you to this. Like, why did your coping not work? And now instead, I'm just like, oh, that's a thing I just physically can't do. And that sucks, but I no longer beat myself up over it, you know? And it's, it's weird because while it does mean like, it's more limiting, it also is easier because like, I'm sure you know after being through panic attacks, it's really easy to kind of like berate yourself afterwards. Like, why can't I just brush this off, you know? <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. No, it's, that, that was the thing too. And a lot of the people around me, they were saying this, they're like, it's all in your head. It's all. In, and I'm like, I know like I'm 28 healthy. I, I mean, I'm probably not having a heart attack, but it, it freaking feels like it, man. <laughs> like it just, so I don't know what to tell you, but you, if you were feeling these symptoms, you would probably be doing the same thing that I'm doing. That's something that like a lot of my friends remind me of. If I start apologizing, I'm like, okay, I'm being a baby here. Like I am freaking out. They're like, Hey, 
anyone else who had never been through this, if this happened to them out of nowhere, they'd be in the ER right now. And I'm like, 100%. that's a good point. Like, I'll try to put myself in that, like, headspace and imagine, like, okay, imagine this never happened and this is just happening to you out of nowhere. What would you think is going on? And I'm like, I think I was dying. <laughs> that's for yeah. sure. You know, it was just now I definitely sometimes buy that whole thing of like oh this is just you being weak but it's absolutely not like it's it's honestly kind of a traumatizing thing to go through yeah and you know what i started thinking about and it's it's this is interesting is like when i get older right and, and mm -hmm. luckily at least for now like i haven't had the symptoms since i've you know figured out my blood and all so but you know who knows could, could come back at any time yeah. um, is you know the thing is is you don't you know, okay, yes, it was, it was happening to me. It was in my head and it feels like a heart attack. But what about when you're like 70 and yeah. it happens and your whole life you've been like, oh, this is just a panic attack. But what about that one time that it's not, you know? Yeah, like, no. <laughs> you can't distinguish the difference. It's like that to me was always sketching me out because I'm like, okay, chances are it's not, but like there is a small chance that it is. So it's like, you know, like what do I do? Just disregard all symptoms now because it's all in my head. Like Right, exactly. Especially because like I said, the panic does cause like real physical symptoms where they're actually happening to you. And yeah. then of course, like, especially with my OCD, because my OCD comes with health anxiety, which is super fun. It's yeah. really easy to keep track of everything. Like when I was little, um, one of my relatives had a friend just dropped dead from her heart failing when she was in high school because she had like an undiagnosed heart problem. And then uh, I had another relative start having heart problems and heart attacks at like 37 and get dismissed because they were too young to be having heart attacks. And so of course I stockpile everything like that. And anytime I'm having a panic attack, I'm like, yeah, it's probably a panic attack, but do yeah. you really want to risk it? <laughs> oh. And then you're already in that anxious headspace. So it's really easy to just zero in on what's improbable but possible which is yeah that's what really i don't like that we're me i feel like we literally lived almost like obviously we haven't lived the same life but like this is like i don't know many other people that have experienced this and that's when <laughs> because it's like it, it is so rare but literally one of my friends uh he's one of my business partners too he was here over the weekend and um one of his friend's brothers died at like 34 from a heart attack and, oh. and, and he said though, but it's, he said it's, it, cause I asked him like 34, he's like, yeah, it was this very, very rare case. I can't even remember the name of it. So I'm just, you know, at the end of the day, look, chances are like almost zero, but yeah. it does happen. It yeah. Cause does. it's only almost zero. It's not like a hard and yeah. fast no. And that's, it's very yeah. hard to reassure yourself because of that. And it's like, I'm oh, looking for the hard, fast no. <laughs> you know? exactly. I want like a hard and sure, like this is definitely not happening yeah. to you. <laughs> because yeah. anytime there's that little bit of doubt, it's like, I don't know. <laughs> like yeah. I just I can't. And we'll never that. get it. That's the thing. We'll never right? get it. Oh, no, you get me. And that's good because I always feel crazy. And then like other people look at you half the time like you're insane because it's like, well, it might be a heart attack this time or it might be an aneurysm this time. And it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, my oh. It's just amazing to me how many people are able, and I'm so jealous of it, to just like brush aside that risk. Where they're like, "Yeah, it might be that, but you know, probably not." So I'm just gonna keep going, and I'm like, "Yeah, how?" <laughs> What's helped me kind of, because I, I, you know, again, I, I was going through it for like a year. Is like I just started to come to the conclusion, like if it is, and I do die, it's like, well, one should die, then there's nothing to actually worry about, you know. Obviously, yeah. if you if you could have prevent. 
that like I always think I'm like if I could have prevented it that would piss me off but again I'm already dead so it's like I, I guess I wouldn't be pissed because it's already <laughs> over but like you know like I'm always just trying to think like whenever I do die I would like it to be like old age and like ha- literally be the end and, and and it be in a way of like there was nothing else that could have been done you know so yeah. that's what gets me is it's like you know if it was like a heart condition right and it's just something that if they would have noticed it could have been like if not easy but they could have fixed it and but they but they didn't find it out it's like oh shit man well that sucks like i could have lived another 80 years <laughs> with right. that. you always hear those stories too of oh if they had just gone sooner if the doctor had just caught it and i'm like so you tell me my doctor can miss things and that does not help the anxiety yeah yeah you know? It's terrifying. Plus, like, I find, and this is so frustrating, I don't know if it's happened to you too, but I've had an issue with doctors dismissing completely obvious symptoms once I tell them I have anxiety because I have a massive phobia of doctors. The minute I'm, like, in a doctor's office, I'm shaking, I'm crying, I'm a wreck, and I always have to tell them, I'm sorry, I'm having a panic attack, but, like, for instance, this one point, like, I developed a huge, from all the writing I do, I developed this really large cyst on my wrist, and... Mm -hmm. Again, it was one of those things like 90% chance it was completely harmless and something that comes and goes if you're prone to typing all day. But there's a small chance that it was cancerous and you had to get it treated immediately. So I'm like, well, obviously I'm going to a doctor because, hi, I'm me. And I go there (laughs) and I showed it to her and it's like this two-inch lump on my wrist, right? Like super visible to the point that I would show it to my friends to gross them off. And she was irritated that I was having a panic attack. She was so annoyed and like rolling her eyes and huffing. And then I showed her my wrist and she's like, yeah, that's just your anxiety. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> like, I know my panic attacks. I know they don't cause like two inch wide lumps on my wrist that have been here for like two months now. And she completely refused to like do any tests on it or anything because she just kept repeating over and over again. It was my anxiety. And it took me multiple doctors till I finally found one that's like, nope, that's just a cyst. That's fine. Like if it you know, doesn't go away by such and such date, then we'll consider, you know, surgically removing it if it's like causing you pain, but that's in no way dangerous. But it took so long to get that answer. And that has happened multiple times to me. It's like the minute they find out you have panic attacks, they're like, so you're hysterical and you're making all this up. And I'm like, no, you can still have health issues, but have panic attacks too. And that's so frustrating. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's why it literally got to a point. We've literally gone through the same thing. (laughs) <laughs> when I went to the hospital, I stopped telling them that because my because I would talk to my mom about it, and it was the same. I go in, and you know they'd say, "What's your age?" You know all that stuff. They'd be like twenty eight. They're like, "Okay, nothing can be wrong with a twenty eight year old's heart or what." You know what I mean? Right. And then as soon as you say anxiety or panic attacks, you can. I, I felt it. They would just right away write down like, "All right, we'll be right back." And they're, they're like, this, here's something, I forget what they would give me. They would give me something that would just like really relax me and calm me down. Yeah. And it would actually help, but they right away. And that's what I would, so then eventually the second or third, I think it was the third or fourth time, actually, I stopped telling them. Then they actually would go through all the tests. Oh. Uh, but still what blows my mind is if I never had hired that specialist, like doctor, that like nutritionist that like does everything, they, even with all the blood tests they were taking, never came back that it was anything gluten related or nothing. Like it was, it was just basically like, yo, your, your blood looks good. Liver's working fine. Heart's pumping. And I'm like, crazy. I'm like, great. Well, I don't feel good. You know, like, I don't, 
I, I don't, I'm not feeling well. I'm, I, I, I do realize I'm alive because I'm talking to you. So thanks. <laughs> like, right. and, and what are you going to charge me? Like, you know, $1,500 for this visit for, to tell me that my heart's beating. I'm like, I'm aware. <laughs> I'm aware of the fact that I'm not currently dead. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but so that I feel amazing just knowing that there's another person out there like this. Um, I do too. Like I hate knowing someone else has gone through it, but it's also so reassuring. She start feeling oh, like, yeah. okay. Is something really wrong with me that I'm the only one that's experienced this? Yeah, no, no. I I, I even said this. You know, through life, I don't know. There was one time when I was 20, I had two business partners that screwed me over. Luckily, in my whole life, that's the only time it's happened. Oh, and no. I wouldn't even wish this. Like I, I wouldn't even wish this on my worst enemy. Like it's that bad. Like I do not even want this for anybody. <laughs> like, like I can't think of a single person because I've had friends be like, "Oh, we should like." I'd be like, I don't want anyone to go through this. They're like, oh, well, so-and-so can. And I'm like, nope, like, I, I don't think anyone deserves to go through this. Like, yeah. it's just nope. continual torture <laughs> that people dismiss. And it's like, okay, this is really fun. <laughs> yeah. So let me, uh, one of the last questions, because I don't want to, I know our audience would like, so for, for the copywriting. Sure. Um, to like go, you know, back. But I, I wanted to um, at least ask this, is for the copywriting, what tips do you have? Because I know a lot of our listeners with like advertising sales pages, like a lot of them are entrepreneurs, coaches. Mm -hmm. What, I guess just general like tips, do you have any for copywriting? A big tip that I have is to not so much view it solely as copywriting. And I know this could take, especially if you aren't necessarily a creative writer or this is new to you, I do think it's worth practicing though. I think it's a great idea. Like if I take on a client, I don't view them as a client necessarily. I'll start viewing them as a character and try to approach them creatively. And for instance, I worked with, and it was ghostwriting, so I can't say the client, but I was working with this uh, construction and home building company. And I had worked with 10 other ones and the stuff they kept suggesting and the copy they had were all identical. And I tried really hard to focus on the same way you would with a, a short story or a character or something, I try to find like their theme and what really made them stand out and what their character traits were. And I ended up realizing, okay, this is a company that is very focused on family because it was run by a few relatives and they'd hire all their family to work. And they're really honestly passionate about building homes and what home means and caring for people and making their clients and their customers part of their family. Like that's their thing. So I thought about it and instead of solely thinking, okay, how can I talk about construction techniques or awards they've won or things they've done? Let's focus instead on the theme of family and putting their heart into it and having this be their passion. And let's really make this a strong sense of character, even in something like as simple as like Instagram post or just like your landing page really get that character through of a company that was very compassionate and family oriented and had their heart there and where other people may just care about, you know, making as much money as possible or being as quick as possible or getting the most accolades. These people really cared about creating a home. And so I focused very hard on kind of using a lot of creative techniques to get that through while still being very clear, very concise, very to the point, kind of following all the typical copywriting rules, but adding this creative element and honestly, that was one of the most satisfying ones I did because when they got that, I got a call from the company that the uh, receptionist, when she got the first draft of the copy and she was part of the family, so she read it as well. 
she ended up like gathering the whole staff and reading it to the whole staff. And she said that like half the staff started crying because they're like, this means so much and this is who we are and this is what we care about and thank you, like you get us. And that's so fulfilling to do, to really like zero in on that about somebody. So that's what I would do, kind of view yourself like, if you were in a movie, if you were in a book, how would you be presented? Like, who are you? What makes you stand out? What makes you different? Like, what's the theme of your company? Like, if you run a business, what is your actual goal? It's not just making money or providing a service. It's actually offering something to somebody. So what is that? Like, is it connection? Is it inspiration? Is it hope? Is it adventure? Like, what is it you're really selling emotionally? And add that to your copywriting. And I think that's what makes it stand out. And also what makes people be really loyal to your brand and feel like they have a relationship with you because they'll start viewing you as an entity and like almost like an individual person that they can connect with as opposed to just something nameless and faceless. Absolutely. I, I love that advice. Um, Thank you. So really, I, I want to leave, leave it to you. So if, if there's anything else you want to share, go for it. Um, this conversation for me was, was beautiful. <laughs> oh, thank you. This was really nice. I'm like, this is great to actually get to talk about this and have someone understand. <laughs> yeah. I feel like refreshed. I feel lighter. I, feel I like do too. I feel so much more motivated now. So thank you. <laughs> no, thank you too. Um, but yeah, I want to make sure just in case there was anything else that you wanted to share, the floor is yours. And then obviously where people can connect with you, like website, uh, social media, anything else you'd like to share. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, the two things I like to share, uh, one writing based and especially when it comes to copywriting and entrepreneurs and things, I know it's super easy to view your writing or any copy content you do as just something that has to be done and something very technical, but I think it is really important to view it as writing and as an art form itself still. And if you can do that yourself, great. If you need to find someone to do that for you, great. But I do think it's really important to take that seriously because that's really sometimes the only way you actually get to communicate with potential clients or customers is with that. And if you don't get that right, a lot of the times people are going to just not connect with you and not feel loyal to you. I think that's really step one. And so it's important to take it seriously as a form of writing itself. Mm -hmm. And secondly, because we've been talking so much about mental health, definitely, 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 if you feel anything feels off in you or scary or wrong, do not be afraid to go try to find a therapist or a doctor that helps. And if someone dismisses you, don't take that as a, oh, okay, fine. Nothing's wrong with me. I'm being a baby. Keep going until you find someone that even if they tell you, hey, you don't have a mental issue or you don't have this, that you really, really trust that opinion. In my experience, it's been very obvious when someone tells me there's nothing wrong with you and they mean it because they honestly listened and checked and tested you and took you seriously or because you're being dismissed like it's hard especially if you're struggling with mental illness to keep going with that but it's definitely worth it like you are so worth putting that work in to try to find someone to take you seriously could not agree more and that's and i love what you said there i'm just like make sure you don't like don't just go with what they say like keep yeah. searching and that's for me, it was actually finding a doctor out of the insurance like system, you know, like it's just like yeah. out of pocket and, and yeah, it wasn't the cheapest thing, but it was so worth it. And 
oh my God, the return on investment. I mean, what's better than health? I mean, that's, that's right. Absolutely. I'm finding that right now with dentists, like I kept finding dentists that were a problem and not helping and dismissing me. I've actually like gotten tooth infections and stuff from being dismissed. And then I finally found some, and unfortunately they're outside of my insurance, but I'm like, you know what? It's this or dying. So (laughs) like, what can you really do? And as far as when to, where to find me, unfortunately, right now, I'm currently in the middle of building my website, so that's still coming, but I'm super active on Twitter. It's Amanda K. Stein, um, at Amanda K. Stein. It's Amanda, K-A-Y-E-S-T-E-I-N, so just like Frankenstein is always how I say that. <laughs> and um, then everywhere else, pretty much, I'm Manic Muse. It's M-A-N-I-K Muse. And that's Instagram. That's all over. That's also, again, my YouTube channel is Manic Muse. Definitely try to find me on there. I usually post two videos a week, one on mental health and one on pop culture creativity. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much where I usually live online. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you again for, for coming on the show. I, again, I, I think we've said it many times, but I did. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed this too. Thank you so much. It was great. And thank you for letting us talk about something like mental health. I think that's so important to discuss. Unite show is sponsored by AuthorsUnite.com, your one-stop shop for becoming a profitable author and maximizing your impact.